Please turn in your Bibles now for today's message to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. Today's message is the second in our series leading up to Easter called, this series is called, Days Before the Cross and the Resurrection. And in the portion of the Bible that we are about to read, Jesus has gathered with his disciples for the Passover meal and the festival of unleavened bread, as it was known, which was celebrated with Passover, and the festival of unleavened bread continued for a week. The Passover celebration, as most of you probably know, commemorated the night on which the Israelites were freed from Egypt, according to Exodus chapter 12. It commemorated the the night, the day, when the Israelites were freed from Egyptian bondage, um, when God passed over, when God passed over homes marked by the blood of a lamb. And then the festival of unleavened bread that went on for a week recalled further the Israelites' Uh, quick escape from Egypt when they didn't have time to let their bread rise. So they baked it without yeast, without yeast, which is sometimes referred to as leaven. Now, what day, what day of the week did the Last Supper take place on? Well, church tradition, and as best as we can figure out the timeline when we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, church tradition and uh, just trying to put all the pieces together, the Last Supper was most likely held on the evening before the day of crucifixion. Strictly speaking, there is nowhere in the Bible where we are told specifically that the Last Supper was, um, was on the night before Jesus was crucified, but that is most likely when it happened. It is from the Last Supper that Christians began holding what we now call the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper, to remember Christ's death on the cross of Calvary. Sometimes the Lord's Supper is referred to as the Eucharist. The Eucharist meaning thanksgiving because in it we thank God for Christ's work for us. We sometimes call it communion, communion, because through it we commune with God and we commune with other Christians. So let's hear now what God's word says in Matthew 26, beginning at verse 17. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? As you go into the city, he told them, you will see a certain man. Tell him, the teacher says, my time has come and I will eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus told them and prepared the Passover meal there. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the 12. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, One of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, Am I the one, Lord? He replied, One of you who has just eaten from this bowl 
with me will betray me. For the Son of Man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Verse 25, Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, you have said it. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant. It confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. My friends, here is what the Lord's Supper can mean for you. Here is what the Lord's Supper can mean for you as we reflect upon the scripture that we have just read. Amen? The first truth I want to invite you to focus on is this. The Lord's Supper reveals to us the incredible love and patience Jesus has for each of us. This truth comes out in verses 20 through 26 where we just read. The Bible tells us that Jesus knew that Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Knowing that fact, knowing that fact, you, you would think that as they gathered for this supper, you would think that Jesus might have screamed, you'd think that he might have shouted and cursed Judas. You might think that Jesus might have said to the other disciples, disciples, Judas here is going to betray me, beat him up, knock the daylights out of him, break his legs so he can't walk, feel free to do with him whatever you want. However, Jesus did not say or do any of that. Instead, when Judas said, Rabbi, am I the one who will betray you? Jesus lovingly said to him, you have said it. You have said it. We observe, in other words, Jesus showing love and patience towards Judas. Jesus tried to get Judas to stop and think about what he was intending to do. In a sense, Jesus was confronting Judas and, and saying to him, saying to him, look at what you are intending to do. Can you really do a thing like that? I believe that as Jesus looked at Judas out of love and patience, Jesus was in a sense saying to him, Judas, can you look at me in the eyes and still go out and betray me? Can you really look me in the eye and still go out and betray me? 
You know, Jesus still has a way of confronting you and me if we are intending to do something wrong. Sometimes Jesus confronts us with his spirit. Sometimes he confronts us with a a Bible verse that he reminds us of. Or he confronts us with with the words, your mother or your father will be heartbroken if you do what you're thinking of. However he does it, Jesus confronts you and me with love and with patience. With love and patience. Jesus approached Judas with love and patience. But unfortunately, Judas still went ahead with his dirty deed of betraying Jesus. You see, the Lord does not, does not force his will on us. You've learned that, haven't you? He does not force his will on us. One Bible scholar says, one of the great mysteries of life is the respect that God has for human free will. God does not coerce. God only appeals. My friends, the Lord's Supper reveals to us the incredible love and patience Love and patience Jesus has for each one of us. And by the way, how much love and patience do you have for other people? How much love and patience do you and I have for those who have wronged us or are are about to wrong us. I want to take you now to um, a, a second truth from the Last Supper that touched my heart and and I believe what will touch your heart as well as we reflect on this truth. The second truth is this. Read it from the big screen with me. The Lord's Supper reminds us that we can hide our sins from other people, but we cannot hide our sins from the eyes of Christ. This truth comes from the fact that Judas had hidden his plans to betray Jesus from his fellow disciples. You see that, don't you? He had hidden his plans. But he could not conceal them from Jesus. It's uh, it's kind of a reminder to us, isn't it? That we can hide our sins from other people. But the Lord sees the secrets of of the heart. He sees what's inside of us and what's inside of our brain. 
What are you and I, what are we supposed to do about that sin that we are possibly hiding from others, but which the Lord knows about? What are we supposed to do? Well, here are some guidelines. We are to, first of all, A, acknowledge. Acknowledge that our sin is against God. King David in Psalm 51 verse 4 says, Against you, that is the Lord, against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. We need to acknowledge that whatever the wrong might be, whatever the sin might be, it is a sin against God. Furthermore, we are to be Believe, believe that you can be forgiven. In the Bible, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And you and I can be forgiven for our sins because Jesus died on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for your sins and yours and yours and yours up in the balcony he paid the price for your sins, radio listeners. And you and I are invited to believe that we can be forgiven. But in addition to acknowledging that our sin is against God and believing that we can be forgiven, we have to also realize point C, and that is choose to stop sinning. Choose to stop sinning. Jesus said to an adulterous woman, go and sin no more, 1 John, uh, John 8, verse 11. Go and sin no more. That's the gospel of John. Before we take part in the Lord's Supper today, is there a sin or sins that you need to acknowledge before the Lord? Just between you and the Lord. What might be those sins? Well, here are just a few sins that the Bible refers to. Most of them we have probably referred to or thought about, know about. There's the sin or sins of stealing, lying, cheating, swearing, taking advantage of people, gossiping, envy, bitterness, jealousy, divisive spirit, hatred, cheating, greed, drunkenness, sorcery, arrogance, quarreling, sexual immor immorality, refusal to tithe, and the list can go on. Acknowledge. Whatever it might be, your responsibility in mind is to acknowledge our sin to God, believe that you can be forgiven as you ask for forgiveness. However, don't just acknowledge and believe. Go to that next step and choose, choose or decide to stop sinning. Amen? Decide to stop sinning. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, My dear children, I'm writing to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. 
He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that, that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Praise his name. Amen. The Lord's Supper reminds us that we can hide our sins from other people, but we cannot hide them from the eyes of Christ. And so we must deal with the Lord on a personal basis. There's a third truth that I want to direct your attention to, and it is this. The bread and the drink represent and symbolize Christ's body. Symbolize Jesus' body and blood sacrificed on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and mine. This truth is from verses 26 through 28 in Matthew 26, where we read, As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. And the Gospel, of John, uh, the Gospel of Luke 22, verse 19 adds, where Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Now I want you to notice the reference, the reference to covenant in verse 28, the reference to covenant. For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. What is a covenant? A covenant is a relationship between two people. But the covenant of which Jesus spoke was, was not one made between individuals. It was between God and humanity. And that is to say, it was a new relationship between God and all people. How does, how does Jesus' broken body and shed blood relate to the, to the new covenant? How does it relate to the new covenant? One wonderful Bible scholar in the Life Application Study Bible answers that question very beautifully as he says, people under the old covenant, those who lived before Jesus, people under the old covenant could approach God only through a priest and an annual sacrifice. Now all people can come directly to God through faith because Jesus' death has made us acceptable in God's sight, in God's eyes. The old covenant was a shadow of the new, pointing forward to the day when Jesus himself would be the final and ultimate sacrifice for sin rather than an unblemished lamb slain on the altar the perfect Lamb of God was slain on the cross, a sinless sacrifice so that our sins could be forgiven once and for all. And all those who believe in Christ receive that 
forgiveness. Amen. Let me mention that there is there's one basic difference between the Last Supper, which we read of in the Bible, and the sacrament which we and most other Christian churches serve as the Lord's Supper. In the Bible, the Last Supper was a real meal. It was a full meal deal. All right? In fact, in fact, the Jewish law said the whole lamb and everything else had to be eaten and nothing left. That's my kind of style of meal, you know. Don't leave anything behind. It was a meal. It was a meal for hungry people. Now, when we and other Christian churches serve the Lord's Supper, we are usually using a, a little piece of bread, a little piece of unleavened bread, bread with no yeast. Sometimes we call it a wafer. And we're using a, a little cup of grape juice. One scholar beautifully says, we might well say that what Jesus is teaching us is not only to assemble in church and eat a, ri a ritual and symbolic feast. He is telling us that every time we sit down at a meal, Listen to this now, it's, it's, it's wonderful. He is saying that every time we sit down to eat a meal, that meal is in memory of Jesus. Jesus is not only Lord of the communion table, he must be Lord of the dinner table as well. Amen? Next time you sit down in your home to eat a meal, perhaps you might want to say, Lord, as we eat this dinner, we remember how Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, and we give thanks. We give thanks for what you've done for us. Let me take you to a fourth truth, and it is this. The Lord's Supper can remind us of a future celebration in heaven with Jesus. This uh, comes from verse 29, where it says, Jesus is speaking, Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Till I drink it in my Father's kingdom. Jesus knew he was about to go through an agonizing time. The betrayal of Judas, the denial of Peter, Gethsemane, the unfair trials, and finally the crucifixion. To Jesus, the cross was never defeat. Think about this. To Jesus, the cross was never defeat. It was the way to glory. 
He was on his way to Calvary, but he was also on his way to a throne, a throne in heaven. Perhaps you are going, perhaps you are going through a very difficult or an agonizing time. I invite you to do as Jesus did. I invite you to to look beyond your hardship and to look far beyond and allow the Lord's Supper to remind you of a future celebration in heaven with Jesus. Amen? The Lord's Supper can remind us of a future celebration in heaven with Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this part of your holy word. And we pray, O oh God, that you would use the truths found in the Last Supper to impact each of our lives in various ways. Lord, some of us today have needed to be reminded of the incredible love and patience that you have with each of us as you show towards Judas. How good it is to read in another part of your Bible that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and faith. Lord, may you help all of us here to get a a grip or a grasp of your incredible love and patience with us. And Heavenly Father, as we recognize the truth that although we can hide things from one another, there's nothing that we can conceal from you. You see right through us. You see what's in our hearts and what's in our minds. And Lord, if there's anything that we need to confess to you, anything we need to acknowledge, Lord, we're grateful to know that we can believe, that we can be forgiven, and that we can and should stop that sin, whatever it might be. Help each of us to make the right choices. Let it be so. And so today, Lord, as we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper, We receive, Lord, these elements with great thanksgiving. It is indeed the Eucharist. We say thank you, Lord, that you, God Almighty, came to earth in the person of Jesus and you were crucified on the cross of Calvary to pay the full price for our sins. And so now we say thank you. And we celebrate our faith with one another And we express our gratitude that God should love a sinner such as I. Praise your holy name. And to anyone, Lord, who is going through their own, through their own crises, 
their own painful days for whatever reasons. Oh, dear God, I pray that you would just remind each of us to look beyond the crises, to look beyond the cross, and to see that one day there will be a great celebration in heaven with Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. And so now, Lord, as we prepare to receive communion, the Lord's Supper, we do so with great gratitude in our hearts, knowing that our sins are forgiven and we are on our way to heaven through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.